Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. So welcome. Welcome to my latest episode in the Parent Toolbox podcast. And actually, I am really excited about today, not only because this is my very first guest, also it's a great friend of mine who actually we haven't met yet, but we will do one day. (laughs) <laughs> Just virtually. Yeah. So Natalie Sermopoulos, who um, describes herself as an educator, curator and author, but is really on this wonderful planet of ours to coach parents who want to live there or parents and lots of people but want to sort of reach their fullest potential. And we've got a really, I, I would say, a really exciting jam packed um, episode for you today. And what actually instigated this episode was I am very much as, you know, those that follow me know, I am very much a sort of child-centered coach, but specifically for teenagers. But we got talking, you and I, and you were going, yeah, 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 that's all well and good, Kai, but... It's the the strategies that I use, and you probably use ones that are very similar, really not based on the age of the child, but more the temperament of the child. Is that sort of correct? Yes. And it kind kind of, I came, it's absolutely correct. And the thing about your work and what I love about your work is that it was, even though it's geared technically to teens, quote unquote, it was completely applicable for my kids who are only three and six. So there was this, this commonality that we have in, in, you know, understanding the child, where they're at, what, what's happening, the dynamic between parent and child. And I think for a lot of people, and you know, you can, you can attest to this when, when, um, you know, cause your kids are older and you know, you parent, you parented them um, when they were when they were young, the parenting paradigm has shifted quite a bit since you were parenting them when they were young, right? Does this make oh, sense? For sure. Yes. So the the parenting paradigm has shifted so much that we're seeing a lot of these quote unquote teens embodied in like a six year old body. Does that make sense? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And And, I think the thing is, is that, um, and what sort of many of us struggle is that no one taught us how to parent anyway. We weren't taught this at school. We were taught history and we were taught maths and sort of cloud formations. No one taught us A, how to communicate with one another, but B, how to communicate with sort of stroppy kids. But also, and it's how, how we sort of have learned. I mean, a lot of us sort of try and sort of draw on our own experiences, which might, in my humble opinion, are redundant. Limited. And they're limited mm. because they're only our experiences. And as we just mentioned, 
the parenting paradigm has shifted. So yeah. however we were parented, even if we even if we recognize that we don't want to parent how our parents parented us, the reality is there still is an unknown way of parenting that we don't know how to really navigate because the territory is different now. Kids are yeah. different now. The environment is different now. Social media is different. Everything's different now. Yeah. So you 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 got we got to evolve our parenting, evolve uh, yeah. ourselves. And and I think the thing is is what's quite scary for many and, and is is that I call it by learning so you know often parenting through the trip and fall method, which is you try something, did it work? Yes. We tried something else, did it work? No. Oh crikey! Well, let's not do that again. And so it's really quite hard. You know how. Um, and I know this is a sort of subject close to your heart. What, you know, sort of you sort of were saying to me that actually it really comes down A to the parents' sort of temperament and the child, but it, it's much deeper than that. Share, share a little bit about that sort of with me and tell me sort of, you know, what yeah. your thoughts are. Well, I think, you know, I, I relate to this trip and fall method because a lot of parents do that and myself included. And, you know, you have to find your way as a parent and try to understand, you know, what, what's the, um, quote unquote, best modality that you want to, um, you want to demonstrate and you want to be with, with your child and create a kind of family. But the thing is, like, in those trip and falls, a lot of shame can come about, a lot of blaming can come about, a lot of, you know, am I question yourself? Am I doing this? Or this, this was, this is very real for me, because with my first child, who is a very strong willed, very strong-willed child <laughs> and I'm a very strong-willed person like our our temperaments really clash in a, many ways and you know you and I talked about this before and we'll get into it a little bit more about you know taming that temperament which is something that I'm not okay with but still need to do in a way to kind of parent without losing your mind the thing is like we're not taught that and how can we have our children flourish when we are still trying to figure it out and so this 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 component you know it for me it's come down to in, on my journey about unconditional love and when i say unconditional love it really starts with self like myself first loving and accepting exactly who i am while i'm evolving to be who I want to be, to my higher self. Because I get what you're saying, but I, I, I can sort of nearly hear the listeners go, yeah, 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 that's fine. But how can you do the unconditional love when your child's answering back? How can you do the unconditional love when they're breaking curfew and sort of kicking the tires and just being stroppy? How can you do that when they're questioning your authority, in air quotes? You know, how can you bring that to the table when you are feeling maybe as a parent out of control, you're feeling powerless, you're doing the, hang on a minute, I meant to know what I'm doing here I'm meant to be the boss so how do you bring that to the table when you don't actually know what you're doing or you're feeling that sort of confusion in your own head right so when we feel that confusion when we feel that uncertainty because when, when generally uncertainty brings a lot of um, stress and anxiety for parents, right and then that gets put into the dynamic and then that kind of creates a, a negative self-fulfilling prophecy so you're already dealing with a child who's answering back or a child who's slamming doors which by the way my child did started doing when she was three not a teen oh, wow okay she was three 
okay, so this is happening. I, I really did have, and do have a teen <laughs> embodied in a little body. So when this is happening, it's really hard to kind of say, okay, how do I love this child unconditionally when they're being rude and disrespectful, when they're being blah, 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 blah. And a lot of that has to do with this idea an attachment to the old paradigm of parenting, first of all, and this, this idea that your child is an extension of you. Like what they do, how they act is a reflection of you as a parent and you as a person. That's, and when that's you can something, start, yeah, that's quite hard you, to acknowledge yes. sometimes. It out 100%. It, it's still taking me time. You know, I'm on this journey and it's still taking me time to like evolve this, this, this way of being, because for most of us, you know, I'm 40 years old. For most of us, we've been operating a certain way for a long time. So now the world has shifted. This parenting paradigm has shifted the way kids are, their dynamic now, their temperaments are more uh, robust now and more yeah. you know, strong willed. So everything's changed, but our, our, that thought about how we should be parenting, quote unquote, how we should be parenting, that idea, that I, that expectation that we have on ourselves gets rocked when our kids are not behaving as we'd like them to. I think that's where the unconditional love comes in, isn't it? Is the fact that, because as we sort of chatted in our prequel, one of the first chapters in my book is all about unconditional love. And I think when you actually bring this to people's attention, they go, of course, I love my child unconditionally. And then it's a sort of, and you know, it's a sort of people rightly so sort of feel a bit affronted. How, how can you assume that I don't? But it's not that. It's really the messages that we send our kids. It's the eye rolling when they leave their sort of towels on the floor. It's the sort of tutting when the sort of, um, when the, the grades are dropping at school or the, they're too slow to put on their shoes as they're coming out the door. And it's our sort of constant barrage of maybe not criticism, but I think that's that's the way our kids look at it, isn't it? Is if you behave well, then mum or dad or whoever will be happy with you. But if you behave badly, then they will be cross. And for younger ones who, and actually any child who doesn't have the emotional intelligence or the emotional vocabulary, it basically says, if I am good, I am loved more. And if I am bad, I am not loved as much. Which is a pretty powerful message to actually absorb and just sort of work out, is it? Even as a parent. Yes. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge parents who are even listening to this because yes. the fact that you're listening to this, there is so much to unpack here. And it really does start with even your childhood. Is that how you were brought up? And you really, this, this requires a lot of self awareness, a lot of like, starting to be curious about how, why are you parenting this way? Why do you, and, and when you say to your child, cause you know, this, this idea of unconditional love, most of us do not love unconditionally. Okay. I'm even aware of this. And there's many times where I don't love unconditionally because it's Absolutely. a practice. Yeah. It's a practice. Okay. It, it is. And it's actually, it's, it's something very, that makes us uncomfortable to acknowledge, but um, yeah, I hear you. It, it does take, it's a skill, isn't it really? Um, yes. And and even it's a sort of bit, I, I must admit, it's a sort of bit fake it till you make it sometimes. It's just, yes. you know, and it, it's until you exercise, it's like 
you know, sort of fitness is you have to exercise the muscles until that neuroplasticity gets sort of built in. So that's right. And a lot of parents are not, they don't even have to face this kind of conversation until their, their, their kids are teens or getting up to those teen, because, you know, a lot of them have been walking in life. Okay. And like their child is like the, the, the people pleaser or the, you yeah. know, they want their parents love and affection. So, you know, and the parent on, and when with love, you can love conditionally. Yes. But it, it, you get, do you get the difference that you can okay. love, but it's still conditionally. Yeah. Now, can can you try to wake up a little bit so that you can love unconditionally? And for for me, my journey, it starts with self. So acknowledging when I trip up and fall, when I mess up, you know what, Natalie? It's okay. I accept who you are. I get that you are carrying this for the last 40 years because of your life and you haven't been taught anything different. So now I'm trying to evolve my parenting. So it's going to take some time and some grace. So I have to, I I, I absolutely have to have that acceptance and love, that unconditional love for myself first so that I can embody it yeah demonstrate it model it and practice it with myself and my child i think that's a great one where you say you actually model it because we are role models to our kids aren't we and i mean it it comes back to so much about self-love it's it's comments like does my bum look big in this it's comments Mm -hmm. like or, or it's even sort of actions where as parents especially mothers who tend to always put themselves further down on the pecking order because they want the best for their child or because they are trying to keep the peace or whatever it is and I think what we have to remember is that is sending a message to our kids that at the minute you the darling children are you know sort of the be all and end all but wait a minute because when you become an adult then you've got to start sort of sacrificing your needs for everyone else um, and I think a lot of sort of parents, especially mothers that I know, just sort of say, oh, no, I'm just, yeah, this is the way it's always been. My needs come last. It's surely it's a bit selfish to actually try and look after myself and, and put my, and I, you know, put myself first. Imagine how arrogant is that? And it's a hard, it's a hard story in our heads to break, isn't it? Yes, but you know, the, the thing is, I understand why this conversation is happening in your mind because this is the conversation society has been having for years. So this is, it's understandable that you're having this conversation in your mind. And how's it going for you? <laughs> right? like, how are you, like, how are you feeling? Tune in. This is part of the starting to be aware. How are you really feeling? Because what you really feel, you're going to like that energy is going to be cascaded down to your children. So do you have any strategies, advice, tips, steps? Only my humble own. 
oh no well listen come on i mean that's the whole point we're i mean not being funny we're we're break as parents we're breaking the mold here aren't we there is no there's no manual to say this is what you do when they do x y and z i mean it's hard work so i think this is the whole point we need to draw on one another's experiences i'm not saying any of us are experts in you know but some of us have been through it you know we might be four or five steps ahead of others so let's hear your humble opinions i'm yeah Yes, and and thank you for saying that because you know that even though when I when I we first interacted, even though your your work was completely applicable and is still completely applicable to teens, it was totally applicable to my kids. And I just want people to get like age is nothing but a number. Here, if we're we are here to make a difference with humans, us and our kids. This is the pull for me, what I like to call the pull. Like, what is, why do I do this? Why am I even in this conversation? Because I'm very clear, like, if, and to be honest, this started off on a very personal level, like the stuff that was happening with my child, the dynamic that was happening with my child. In my mind, I said to myself, if I don't get my SHIT together right now and build some kind of foundation when she becomes a teen, boy, I'm going to be really screwed. So I, there's this, there's, you know, and then I put that a bit of that pressure on myself to say, okay, what is it now? What's really happening now? Because when you have a child who is a little bit younger, there's a lot more things that you can control, quote unquote. Yes, totally. And I say quote unquote, because it's really like this idea of control is very, um, you know, we can unpack that another time, <laughs> but this idea of control, it's false. Okay, so it, it really is in a way it can be seen in a way like a bit of manipulation and, and you know and, and teens get that for sure i mean if you have a child who's young who's really aware they get that when you say okay well why don't you do this and then you're gonna get this it's not and, and i'm not saying that's um you know everyone does that i do that there's times where i'm like you know what i'm maxed out you know a child <laughs> do this and then this happens right so so but there's a way to approach it and then there's a way to also understand that that way of parenting shouldn't be the end all be all. There's like something bigger there. Because if you do that, what you're teaching your child is conditional love, conditional, conditional expectations. And I think that it's only when, and, and I'm sort of my experiences is it, parents are sort of, as we, as you sort of touched on earlier, are waking up to this when their children are become teenagers and start sort of developing a mind of their own and start questioning because that's that they're, they're you know they're biologically wired for independence and that's fine. This is part of sort of biology and we sort of tend to ex- accept it to an extent. But suddenly, and as, if you, as you say, if this is happening with much younger kids, and I, I've heard you use the phrase gladiator kids before, those strong-willed children that have a mind of their own, it's not rebellious and it's not, it's not them being bloody-minded. It is them sort of actually you know sort of hang on a minute but i i've got this opinion and no actually i don't want anyone to quash it and you know please can i have my voice and and i always sort of say as individuals not as five-year-olds 15-year-olds or whatever but as individuals we want to be loved understood and respected whatever age and I think that's where, which is sort of ties in so brilliantly with your unconditional love is, you know, come on, guys, warts and all, we have 
a little team of our family. And yes, we're all going to be different, but that's okay. And that's important. And valuing our children, whatever age, is crucial. And, you know, because that's, that's what brings the sort of tapestry of life, isn't it? And family life. Yeah. And, and you know, this, um, again, just going back to this old parenting paradigm, it's completely flipped now, whether we like it or not, it's completely flipped. Whether you're listening to this and you're, and you're like, no, my one child is, my child is not like that. Maybe, maybe, but I'm like, when you dig deep into yourself and start asking questions, why am I, why am I doing this? What is my purpose? Why do I want to do this? Then you start to um, think about the choices you made. And are they in line with the person that you truly want to be? Or are you just like, you know, are you doing this because that's what you were? Well, maybe, you know, that's the thing. Maybe some parents haven't even asked the question. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, and what might have been sort of oblivious to the fact that they could ask the question. I, I would love people to go, right, well, actually, these two women are yes. talking a hell of a lot of sense. Hurrah. Um, but, you know, let's have some takeaways and sort of something that actually the listeners can sort of leave with and go, oh, my goodness, that's, you know, that, that, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. And the, the first thing is just, as I said before, be aware. Start being aware. So when you're in for me, and I'll, I'll, make this, I'll give you a real life example. When my child is talking back to me, saying she hates me, this, this, this again, my child is not a teen. Okay, she's a <laughs> younger teen. Yes. <laughs> what I used to do was get angry right back. We know, you know, like Barbara Colorosa talks about this: anger begets anger. So, and 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 in a way, I was kind of like, well, why? Can't, of course, I'm angry. Why wouldn't I be angry with my kid? I, I raised this child. Why shouldn't I have the, um, the 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 right to say, you know, I'm pissed off that this child is is acting like this to me? We get so personal. See, that's where parenting becomes so personal because you think your child is an extension of who you are. And so, when they're pushing your authority, when they're questioning what they're saying, when they're actually sort of standing up to their own opinions, individuality, or whatever, it, it, it's actually nearly them holding a mirror up to ourselves, isn't it? And we sort of we're peering right back at maybe sometimes the things that we don't want to. I think NLP call it say that it's uh, perception is projection, and it's just sometimes it's someone lifting the lid and going, "You see, here's here's the warts and all bit." That you're not really wanting to acknowledge yeah yes. because then when your child starts to um uh practice and show by example what you've been doing to them whether you react angrily or whether you place a condition and then they say right back to you oh well mom i will only do this when you do this or mom i will <laughs> you know what i mean so those conversations, now, now I'm not saying be a doormat because this is not, this is, and Jennifer Colary, who talks, who has coined gladiator children, whom I'm absolutely, I love. She, she 
talks about, you know, we are the frontal lobe for our kids. We have to understand yes. that their brain is not developed yet. We, we know this. And, you know, do, even Dr. Lee Waters talks about this, how, you know, the brain, um, there's some, a couple of, it's always, it's always the possibility of rewiring the brain. There's always that possibility. We know through science, the brain, the neuroplasticity of the brain, we know that. And there are two time frames that really, um, uh, are, are, are like where we're sponges and it's around, around the six-year-old mark and it's around the teenage mark. And I'm just saying teenage, teenagers can start, you know, according to Alison Schaefer as early as nine years old. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's a lot, um, there's a lot of opportunities for us to really be reflective of how, how we're parenting and how we, how we want to help, um, encourage our child to, uh, and, and, and support them in a way that honors them and honors us. Right. This is not just like, here you go, child, I'm here just for you and you can do whatever. This, that's not what I'm saying at all. Okay. And again, Jennifer Miller talks a lot about this. We are their frontal lobe. So we need to be the parent and we need to be very aware of how we're parenting and why we're doing it. So, so back to my example, I would, I used to get angry. So then it's kind of like, okay, being aware I'm getting angry. Why am I getting angry? And the okay. voice in my head, the ego, the mind is saying, she shouldn't be talking like this to me. If I spoke like that to my father or my mother, I would be in big trouble. Like, come on, that wouldn't even happen. And if it did, there'd be an absolute consequence to it. Um, she's disrespectful. What if people see me like this? What if people think that there's a, you know, I've raised a child, like this is all going on in my mind. So when you're, when you start to be aware, especially in those crucial moments, and you can practice this any other time, like you can practice that you should be practicing this whenever you can, not just in those heated moments where your child and you are, 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 you know, are in a disagreement or there's something going on. You, you could practice this when your child is, 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 and you are in a, you know, you're very happy and there's a wonderful moment happening. Practice it then. And Jen, again, Jennifer Clary talks a lot about this, about mirroring. Okay. One, so one of the things that I want, it's, it's that you have to be aware first. You have to be aware. So and, and it, it's as simple as just acknowledging what's going on. And it's as simple as just sort of, you know, asking yourself the question right so i've practiced that i've got the neuroplasticity it's still not working it's still not mending what do i do next uh, yeah <laughs> okay. okay so i practice this and, and just so you know practicing might be you know it's going to take some time so so the first thing is be so as i said be aware the second thing is to start accepting that you have been operating a certain way for a certain time i mentioned this earlier before Okay, you've been you've yeah. been this way for a while. So just accept without judgment yeah. that you know, and that's key, without judgment on yourself, without judgment on your child, that this interaction is happening. And it's important to kind of step out of your body a little bit and kind of be the observer of what's happening. Okay. Yeah. And there's different ways that you can do that. And you know, I, I we won't get out to into that because I'm not an expert in that part. I'm still practicing this, but you need to kind of step yourself away from what's happening. And that may physically look like you stepping into a different room, or it may be like you're still there with a the child and you're just thinking to yourself, okay, I love and accept my child and myself 
in this moment. I know, I know we will get through this. I know that there is a better way for us. And I'm still learning. Yeah, I I, I think with the accepting thing, it's actually acknowledging that, um, that everything that you have done has brought you to this point. And okay, it might not be fantastic right now, but that's okay. I mean, this is a journey, isn't it? It's a learning process, hence the neuroplasticity and we can change things. And it's that good old sort of phrase, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. But I think, as you rightly say, with steps one and two, awareness and acceptance, that's a sort of pivotal point because it's only when we get to that stage that we then have the opportunity to do, do we want to keep going down this road or do we want to do something different? Right. And this, and this, I always put this fork out like this, this is, and this happened to me last year when I was, when I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, I really, I had to wake up. I was like, this is not working. The way I'm parenting is not working. It's not working for me, for my health, for my child something's got to change. And, and I can continue along this path of, of how I've been doing, just as you said, or I can take a pause, start being aware, start accepting what's so, and, and, and I love what you said before, owning, it, it just realize that you are responsible for how this has been going as well. Yes. That's, yes. A tough one. That's a tough one to get because parents are like, no, 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 I didn't teach my child that. Yes. Yeah. But you, and maybe you didn't teach them everything. However, however, you are a hundred percent responsible for how you interact in that, in that dynamic. Yeah. And, and that is both daunting and empowering. So just accept that this is, this is what's so, so far. And it, you know, then you gotta, you gotta choose. Do I want to continue down this path? of the same old, or do I want to make a difference for myself and my children, my family, my community? What is it that I want to do? Which path am I going to take? Yeah. So with, with step two, step two, you need to have some compassion and self-compassion and forgiveness. Ooh, okay? yeah. like this, this is, this is, this has been, ha- this has been operating. You're going to be, re- it, once you take that responsibility for it, you need to be able to forgive yourself and maybe even forgive your parents. Oh, I think that's a big one because, right. that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that really, goes, as, as, that, that's another one for another, uh, unpack another yeah, episode, isn't it? Flip sake. There's yeah. so much to unpack here, yeah. But let's just give people, a, 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 you know, just a quick understanding of what's possible. So when you're accepting, you have to have that self-compassion. You have to have that self-forgiveness because when you start practicing that self-forgiveness and self-compassion, then just like acceptance, just un- like just like unconditional love, you can start embodying it and modeling it and showing it and doing it with your child. Yeah. So when your child, so right now with my child, uh, one of my kids, if they have a complete tantrum, I do my best. And again, this is a practice. I do my best to step out of my head and say, I have unconditional love for you. I, I am tr- like, I'm trying to see and hear where you're at because it's, it's, it seems like it's really tough for you. And I'm not sure. Sometimes I'm not sure where, what to even do, but I'm, I'm here for you. And you can say that in head. You can even say it out loud to your child. 
I, I think I think that's one thing that um, a lot of parents worry about. It's no, no, no. But I've, I, my kids need sort of guidance, and they need boundaries, and they need to know that I know what I'm doing, and they need to feel as yes. though I'm steering them in the right direction. And I think I think kids are very savvy in that. If you, I mean, I used to my kids when they were four and six in the bath and sort of, you know, and I would go, I've been such a shouty mum today. I'm so sorry. And it was, oh, it's all right, mum. And I think the thing is, is that when kids know that it is that whatever you are doing is coming from a place of love, without malice, without agenda, then they sort of get it when we screw up. And it's, it's okay. As long as you said earlier, as long as we own it, and as long as we're responsible and sort of go, do you know what? That didn't work out quite as well as I'd hoped. And let's do it another way next time. And I think they get it. But I, you know, I, I always say that teenagers are savvy. And when they see a loophole, they just go for the, you know, the chink in the armor. I think any sort of self-respecting child, whatever age, and probably your darling daughter, you know, is, is that if she can, you know, she, she's savvy enough to know, when there's BS going on. And I think we have to own it and be, you know, and honor our kids for just being intelligent enough to accept that sometimes things don't, things don't go according to plan, but we're doing the very, very best we can. And I think that's okay, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's this, and again, that's a shift from the old paradigm yes. of parenting where the authoritative parent knows all got I've got this figure out my kid can ask me anything and I will have the solution oh and when they ask why should I do that I say because I don't I told you so mm. I'm the all all knowing so this shift um re- requires you to be along this journey with your child and that takes vulnerability yeah that takes ownership of responsibility right that takes you um acknowledging that you are don't know everything now now there's this fine line where you still need to be the frontal lobe for your child right so you still need to create that sense of safety for your kid they need that but even but even having that conversation of um you know what i i i'm i'm still learning how to fully accept my emotions and i'm trying to teach you at the same time so it seems like you're really angry. Tell mommy about it. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, and when I get angry, and this goes back to the in those moments, those heated moments, when you do get upset or you feel like you're, you know, your ego's bruised or your child shouldn't be doing this or doing that, that's when you start to model what could you be doing so that when your child is in that that position, they start to model it too. You know, sharing your emotions. I'm really angry right now. Or it seems like you're really angry right now. What can we do? Like, let's let's talk about. It. I have some strategies, but let me know. Let me know. If I and I can. I I'd love to share them with you. Let me know when you're ready. I'd love to share them with you, and then maybe we can talk about something that works. And that's not something that sort of traditionally we did experienced as children. I mean, my my childhood is children should be seen and not heard. And never really was I asked how I felt. Never was I asked to verbalize my emotions. Um, and I think it's so important to encourage our children to create their own their their own sort of emotional vocabulary. Yes. But again, how can they do that if we don't have that? Totally. And most of us don't have that because to your point that you just said, most of us were not brought up that way. And that's okay. But just recognize that and 
you, you know, the, the point is not go out and just be an expert on your emotions. The point is be on this journey with your child and learn those emotions together. Because sometimes the reality is your emotions are different from your child and how they, how they, how they embody um, stress or anger or um, excitement is it'll be different for you and them. Yeah. It's a journey for both of you. So step three. So the step, this is perfect. It's practice. Oh, help. Yeah. You gotta practice it. And, you know, the thing with practicing is you've got to have that self-forgiveness in there. Okay, you're going to mess up. We're human. We are going to mess up. We are learning this journey. And don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself. If you really want to compare yourself, compare yourself to yourself. Who How you was I yesterday? last? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yesterday, the day before, the week before. Like last Monday, for example, I had a bit of a tough time with my eldest. And um, when I reflected, I, I did I did recognize and acknowledge myself. That's the other thing. So when you are practicing, also acknowledge yourself when you are having those little wins. I acknowledge, I, I acknowledge things that did go well. Yeah. And I recognize things that didn't go so well that I want to evolve in. And part of the acknowledgement is recognizing, you know, last week, because I know Mondays are a little hard for, for my eldest. It's a big transition day from the weekend that just all blah, 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 blah. And then to Monday, uh, transitions are big. So I, I got, even though that last Monday wasn't amazing, it was way better than the Monday before. Okay, got you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this and and I had to acknowledge that and go, okay, yeah, that's and that's what's that's what we're gonna keep on that's the trip and fall that we're gonna keep on working toward. And do you do this sort of in your head? Do you do this sort of every evening? Do you do this with your child? Do you or are you, you know, it because you All sound so blimmin' pulled together <laughs> that I'm sure you've probably got some charts and stuff that help. But I mean how you know, yeah. how how does someone do that? Is it is it doing something on their phone or do or does is it just Having because sometimes with parenting it's such a mess, it's such a jumble of stuff that to be able to stop and be intentional about all this is hard to remember. Yeah. So what I would say is start small. Okay. So whatever that looks like for you, whatever you um, have the bandwidth right now, because this is during any transition when you're when you're when you're trying to evolve and grow and learn. Um, there's a lot of pushback from everyone else involved, including yourself and your old self and how you're trying to get to, um, just do what works for you. So for me, the first thing, you know, people, a lot of people say you should journal. Well, journaling to me takes a long time. I don't, my kids are up and like, it's, it's go time. So it's not like, unless I wake up really early, which sometimes I do, and then I can meditate or I can take some time to just reflect. Um, just do what works for you. So journaling to me was part of it, but I needed some structure. So I personally use the five minute journal because it's five minutes and it gives like structure. And then when I want to go beyond that, I just, I start writing and you know, that leads, you know, I've written a part of a book as well. So that's, that's part of what worked for me. And then of course, um, it's like meditating. I, I don't, you know, Meditation, I, th I hope that people are understanding that meditation doesn't have to be this crazy, you have to be super good at it. 
you know, it, it doesn't have to be this really big thing. It can, but if you're just starting out, taking that moment, then tomorrow take a couple more moments. Maybe the next day you don't have any time to take more. Well, then the next day you take more time. Like just start building the practice. If you want to meditate and think that you've never, if you've never really done it really before or done it with sustainability, like done it with like, you know, like something that really works for you. Don't overwhelm yourself with, you know, trying to do this huge meditation and then it doesn't work. Then you get, then you feel shameful or you're, you know, disheartened that you can't do it. Start small. Okay. So acknowledge yourself. However that looks, it could literally look like you journaling. It could literally look like you're just doing it in your mind and replaying it. Because the other thing is we know there's so much to unpack here. (laughs) We know that the mind doesn't, doesn't see a difference between reality and an imagination. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the unconscious mind doesn't know real from right. fake. So this is where, and this is why sort of that, uh, that adage of fake it till you make it actually scientifically works because your brain doesn't realize that you're lying to it or you know, lying is maybe unfair. <laughs> you're, you're quite right. So it is, it's, it's a matter of, it's acting as if, isn't it? And, and allowing you, and, and it, you know, forget about meditating. Maybe all you can do is sit there with a cup of coffee or something and just, just breathe for sort of a minute. And, and that is telling your mind, oh, everything's calm right now. And all hell could be breaking loose outside, but it, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's learning those little tricks of being able to just take snippets of time and it could be a minute here or there. It doesn't have to be sitting cross-legged with, you know, in the lotus position on the, in, on the lawn at six no. in the morning. You know, you're quite right. It, yeah. It, it could, if it works for you and it, 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 sure. But if you, it doesn't work for you, if you don't have the bandwidth because the reality is life is happening right now. We can't just, pause and be this, you know, strive to be this perfect person without life actually happening. Life is happening. So the practice is do it, do what works for you within this practice called life. Yeah. This is, this is your playing ground. That's it. And it's, it's whilst you're practicing, because the more you practice, the more you then start creating the habits themselves. Right. So, and I just want to go back to this when, you know, even if you just have a moment to sit and uh, have a cup of tea, which I've been doing more, by the way. Thank you to you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you can replay in your mind something that, um, you know, back to the step three of acknowledging, you can play in your mind what went really well and just really feel that, really embody it and really like get the, get the emotions and you felt good when that happened and pat on the shoulder and you were so awesome and blah, blah, blah just to help reinforce that. Alternatively, if something crappy happened that you want to that you want to improve or evolve with, you can replay that in your mind and switch the conversation to work to something that is a better feeling thought. And I and I got this I got this little tidbit from a good friend named Ashton Taffer who deals with anger a lot and and, uh, and, and she, she getting to the root cause of it. So it's really important to like start replaying those in your mind. 
So technically, by doing that, you're sort of rewriting history before it beds down too much, aren't you? Is is the fact that you are changing that conversation in your head, but you are also changing. Well, it's the neuroplasticity. You're rewiring those little bits that have happened. And you can trick the brain into thinking, well, it did go like this, but it also it, it sort of transmuted into something more positive, I guess. Yeah. So, in you know, I just want people to be clear. It's 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 really creating a practice and and, and skill that you most of us do not have. So yeah. instead of and I just you know I just want to acknowledge that word trick. It's not. I wanted you to get. You're not. This this needs to be done with an authentic place of love. And you've said this yes. before. You got to come from love in this. If you're trying to quote unquote trick the mind, it's not going to work. You really have to embody this. So that's why the practice of taking a moment and feeling, and, and I, you know, you, you've got to embody it because the, the mind, the thoughts, if the thoughts are not backed up by the emotion, the power of emotion, it's going to be harder to evolve your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. You have to really. So you're really life. teaching. You're ex, you're teaching the unconscious mind to experience it a better way, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's it takes time. I'm still on it. I'm still practicing it. You gotta you gotta believe. Yes. In yourself that you can make this happen. And. That can be really hard for a lot of people, and understandably so. Okay, so if you're in those moments where you, um, you, you know, you're, you something happened, and you're just unwavering, like you, you just, you, you're kind of self-doubting, and you're not sure if this is like this is not working. You're not sure, and you know, you're confused and uncertain. This is the part where you need to surround yourself with people who see you for your higher self. Yeah. That's the important part. They see you for your higher self. In some cases, this may not be your spouse at the moment, right? Oh, totally. It may not, it may not be your parents. It may not be your siblings. Like, it, like it depends on... On, on your circumstance and on your life and your relationships. You need to find someone, something, a community and or a person or multiple, however it works for you, to really um, keep you in that conversation of your higher self. I think because a, a lot of parents I speak to are sort of just doing that, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm letting my child down. Um, there's the guilt and the shame, and 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 I know that the steps that you have sort of addressed do address that. But I think the thing is, is that what parents need to understand is that they are the very best person that their child needs, and and. I know there are some exceptions and I get that, but if anyone is listening to this, they're listening to this because they care. So whatever their quote unquote failings are, that it's 
you are the person that your child wants more than anyone else, warts and all, failures or mishaps or trip and fall method or whatever it is. Whatever is going on in, in your life, you are the person that your child needs the most. And as you rightly say, if you then need to find the support from a another, and you're quite right, invariably it doesn't have to be the other half, your partner or whatever, because they're on a different path, their thoughts about parenting are totally different, whatever. And often it's not our own parents because they, they're sort of the, well, then they take that as a slight on their own parenting. So it's, it's a big juggling act. Um, and as you rightly say, it's, it's important to find your tribe, for want of a better word, people that speak your language and that when you trip and fall and feel a bit wobbly, that they're there to pick you up and boost you and go, but look how brilliantly you are doing. Because naturally, we all have our wobbles, don't we? Well, yeah, and, and, and to hold you in the space that you're in. Sometimes yeah. it's, not, it's not always like, yay, and this is going, you know, when you're in the, when, can I say shit? Yeah, you can. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, you can on my podcast. Yeah. When, <laughs> when shit hits the fan and you're feeling like crap and you just can't see how you can forgive yourself or how you can get past this moment with your child, you, you need, you, I, I implore you to reach out so that those who can see your higher self can help lift you. But, but when they lift you, they have to be able to acknowledge where you're at. Yeah. It's not like a dismissal of, okay, you did, you did really horribly. Okay, don't worry. Just pick yourself up. And then tomorrow, you'll, it's a new day, blah, 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 blah. Because yeah. that's, that's, not, that's just kind of um, putting it under the rug. I think that's the thing is, is the fact that it's, it's all very well. We sit there and pat ourselves on the back when it's going brilliantly and, and rightly so. But mm. it's also, it, we need to feel that friction. We need to feel that rub. And, you know, when we do sort of acknowledge the, the, the mishaps and the issues, that's when we start learning. And that's when, you know, as you sort of say, and we go back and we start accepting that, okay, well, I screwed up there, but, but how can I do it differently? And yes, I'm all right. And yes, this is coming from going back to the place of unconditional love, which means that it's always got the best of intentions anyway, surely. Yes. Yes. And this, like to, to this, if you can, uh, if you can, this is a good example of unconditional love. If you can love yourself unconditionally when you are at your worst. Yeah. If you can truly Accept and love yourself in those moments. And this takes a practice. This takes some time. This takes some digging. This takes some awareness. This takes some support. When you can embody that, then, again, you're really going to be able to model that for your kids because, and demonstrate because you're actually being that with them. And, and what a fantastic example for them to learn and develop these skills at a lot earlier age than, than we are at the minute. And that, that we need that to become part of their psyche, don't we? We need, we need our kids to acknowledge who they are as little individuals, be they 6, 16 or 26 or whatever, 
um, is that how you are and who you are is perfectly okay. Yeah. My darling girl, thank you so much. I, I, that, thank you. That is wonderful. Well, you did. You did touch on um, just doing a sort of very unneat segue. You were talking about a book that you're sort of um, collaborating. Yes. Tell, us, tell us a bit about that. And I shall put all the sort of relevant sort of details in the show notes for people to, um, you know, sort of, yeah, of course. have a copy or whatever. So, Yeah, it's called uh, A Night Love. And it's part of a series. Um, uh, gosh, it's, it's a collaboration of about 35 authors that's, that share their stories. So I share my real life story, a small snippet of it, um, and some takeaways for how, you know, if the story resonates with you, what, what worked for me? And I share that with you so that, you know, if it works for you. Right. Well, you give me all the details and I'll put that in the show notes. How do people get hold of you, Natalie, if they want to sort of connect with you and sort of learn a bit more? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is www.evolvingwithnatalie.com. I'll give you all that information and, you know, explore what's possible. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being my first guest. Um, it's I've, an honor. I've, I've broken my duck, so I'm thrilled. With that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate it. But thank you so much because your pearls of wisdom were really um, very useful and um, we appreciate your time. Thank you for letting me share something and thank you for continuing to share your light with the world. I, I love you, Kai. Thank you so much. Thank you, my darling. Much love speak to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you find this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favor, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times, and I believe that it takes a village to raise a child, and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes, and a good one, by the way, (laughs) because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.